This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. Welcome back. Hour number two of Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. If you are someone who has heard of Bitcoin but aren't really sure what it is or does, you're not alone. But understand this. The value of the cryptocurrency crossed the $11,000 plateau recently and has secured uh, about a tenfold increase to this year alone. The impact of it will now be felt on the markets as well as Bitcoin futures will be traded. To discuss this rise and why it has occurred, we are joined on the phone by our friend Kevin Warbach, who's an associate professor of legal studies and business ethics here at the Wharton School. And also joining us on the phone, uh, Christian Catalini, who is a career development professor at MIT, as well as assistant professor of technological innovation, entrepreneurship, and strategic management. Kevin, great to talk to you as always. Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you both. Kevin, I guess, again, for those people that really don't understand, give a background on Bitcoin and what it is really trying to do uh, out there in our society right now. Well, to really go into that would take a while, which I, which I assume you want a version that we could do on a radio show. <laughs> the Cliff Notes um, version, yes. Exactly. No, so, so Bitcoin is a private, decentralized digital currency uh, it was uh, based on some software code that was written by some mysterious figure uh, originally called Satoshi Nakamoto, released originally in 2009. And uh, people took this code and started running it on decentralized networks. And uh, what the, the Bitcoin software does is create a currency. So it operates like dollars or, or yen or euros or anything like that. People can uh, be confident that uh, the network accurately reflects how much currency they have. And the network has a whole set of algorithms for um, how the currency, how transactions get validated and how new Bitcoins get introduced and so forth. Uh, but you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, because this, uh, this technology has actually worked successfully, um, people can buy and sell Bitcoin uh, the same way that they can buy and sell any traditional currency. And uh, again, it's been around for nine years, um, totally uh, outside of the traditional financial and banking system. In the last year, we've seen this this huge explosion in the price um, for for a variety of reasons that we can get into. Well, uh, Christian, really, uh, what do you think is behind this uh, unbelievable price jump that we have seen on the value of Bitcoin over the last several months? So when you think about Bitcoin, um, it's, it's one of these kind of new digital assets. And uh, it's important to remember that the floor value of Bitcoin is zero. Uh, Bitcoin only has value because people agree and believe it has value. And so it's, it's very reactive to our expectations change over time about the likelihood that this network, this decentralized network of economic agents will be able to deliver something useful to society. Uh, I think what you've been seeing recently uh, has been kind of 
you know, fostered by a lot of momentum around institutional investors getting more interested in, in Bitcoin, uh, CME and, and maybe even NASDAQ in the new year uh, will start trading uh, contracts uh, and futures. Uh, related to the cryptocurrency. But overall, as the ecosystem has kind of developed and emerged, uh, I think there's been also a lot of hype and excitement. And that clearly has, you know, driven the price uh, possibly away from, you know, the real utility value of the network and much more into into the speculative realm. So uh, a lot of the price raise you're seeing right now is people, you know, kind of fearing uh, of missing out on, on, on a new investment, on a new asset, and jumping in and, and buying it um, in, in large amounts. 844-WHARTON is the number if you'd like to join in with your comments or questions, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess, Kevin, the, the other interesting piece to this is, as you alluded to, it, it has value, uh, but it really doesn't have value that we would normally associate uh, here in the United States, like uh, obviously the dollar or, or the impact uh, of, of currency coming or issues coming from the, uh, from the Federal Reserve. This is really just the value of the people that are involved in the actual transactions, correct? Well, Christian made a really important point, which is that the value of Bitcoin is not something that uh, you can set in some absolute way. It's it's what people are willing to pay for it. And, and fundamentally, there's nothing at the bottom. If people were not convinced sufficiently that the Bitcoin system uh, was uh, functional, that, that, for example, if they believe that you could double spend, spend the same coin twice, the price would go to zero. Uh, but that's actually not so different from any other kind of valuable asset and certainly not any other currency. I mean, what's standing behind the dollar? In some vague, nebulous sense, it's the full faith and credit of the United States. Uh, but there, there's no uh, real foundation, even for a traditional currency, other than this kind of mutual trust. You trust that a dollar is valuable because everyone else trusts that a dollar is valuable. So, so at some level, that's not new. Um, what's new is the way that Bitcoin uh, creates that value and creates that trust in a decentralized way using this new blockchain technology. Uh, 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. Uh, or on uh, Twitter, at BizRadio111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So, uh, Christian, with with the value that, that it has gone up, uh, there have been uh, there's been a lot of reaction on both sides of, of whether or not Bitcoin is something that is a strong investment right now. Uh, where do you potentially stand on that? And, and I say that because it, it seemingly we uh, looking at different news outlets, uh, we see somebody coming out with a comment almost every day now about yes, it's a good investment, or no, it's not, and we're waiting for the bubble to burst. Yeah, so first of all, I'd like to remind all our listeners that these are highly speculative assets. So if you think about investing in startups where, you know, 99% of startups that get funded at a very early stage uh, often don't go anywhere, here you're investing not only in very early stage projects, but also on a very early stage technology. So it's really important to remind everyone uh, that, you know, buying Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency right now is, is a speculation. Uh, many of these assets may not exist five or ten years from now, uh, but some of these may be very large successes. Um, so that said, I think when, when thinking about, you know, why does this uh, digital asset even have value, 
um, we, we kind of have to go back to, you know, basic, basic definition of what a currency is. And people tend to think about a currency in terms of store of value, so something that can store value over time, a medium of exchange. Um, um, you know, unit of account is kind of the third one that gets thrown into the mix, but it's kind of less relevant in a world where you have digital screens and mobile phones where I can show you currency in whatever currency you're familiar with. Uh, I think what's happening with Bitcoin is that, you know, it, it hasn't definitely reached the level where it's a good medium of exchange. The network can only process a very small number of transactions. But a lot of the renowned uh, interest in the last few months, I think, has been around this idea of a uh, decentralized um, censorship-resistant store of value. So if you think of it almost like digital gold, it's this digital asset that right now is not influenced by any single government's decision. And so I think people are thinking of this almost as a re reserve currency in case you know, other re more regular currencies are, are, are going through troubled times. So then, Kevin, what, what's your reaction when you hear about the fact that the CME and the CBOE, the, those uh, markets are going to be uh, trading Bitcoin futures here coming up? Well, two reactions. One is it suggests a legitimacy of this technology, which I think is a valuable and important thing. Cryptocurrencies, which is the, the broad category that Bitcoin fits under, and, and we should be clear that Bitcoin is not the only one of these right. that's out there, although it is by far the, the largest. Um, you know, this is potentially a new investment asset class, and the way that it becomes legitimized and legitimate, and the way investors are protected against fraud and so forth, is to have uh, traditional institutional structures and, and mechanisms like derivatives available. So I think that at a broad level is a good thing. The, the challenge is that right now it's not clear to anyone why Bitcoin and some of these other cryptocurrencies have spiked so much this year. You can go back and say, well, is this piece of news or that piece of news? Frankly, none of that really matches up with why Bitcoin went from under 1,000 uh, where it had been bumping around for several years to suddenly over 10,000 in, in 10 months or so. Um, so there, there's you know, two possible explanations, which are not really mutually exclusive. One is w what Christian talked about, this fear of missing out. There's all this money out there that sees a chance to get on a rocket ship, and they're buying it because they think someone else will buy it for more. Um, the other possibility is fraud and manipulation, and there's, there's evidence that um, there is uh, various kinds of funny business going on at some of the exchanges that trade Bitcoin, uh, especially outside the United States. This is one of the big reasons the Securities and Exchange Commission has so far rejected uh, Bitcoin ETF, exchange-traded fund, uh, not because the, the uh, organizations proposing the ETF in the U.S. were not doing good enough governance, right. but because the price was so dependent on things that were outside of their control. So we don't know yet. The, the fact that basically good news happens about Bitcoin, the price goes up, bad news happens about Bitcoin, the price still goes up, right. um, should give one some reason for concern. Um, but you know, as Christian said, there, there, are, there are legitimate uh, things that have happened that would justify at least some increase in the price. Christian? I think, you know, as the market matures, um, it will also stabilize. So a lot of the things that you're allowed to do on different exchanges and in terms of like, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of things you're doing when you're trading, uh, once the market grows in size and liquidity, um, I think you'll see more stability. Uh, but it's going to be a bumpy road to get there as, you know, even institutional investors uh, start to understand the technology, uh, the fact that there's many competing implementations and different alternative standards 
um, we're, we're really witnessing the, you know, the dawn of a new industry here. And, and I don't think anybody really knows which ones uh, of the many cryptocurrencies and tokens that are emerging will be the ones that will capture a very large market share 10 years from now. So how, how does this market, quote unquote, stabilize in your mind? I would well, imagine that. Uh, sorry, Kevin, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Christian. As, as institutional investors come in, um, again, liquidity will increase, and so uh, there'll be more information, and the market will be uh, less prone to manipulation. Kevin? It's not clear that it will. So you know, a, a bubble is only a bubble when it pops. Right. And uh, a lot of uh, investors, especially younger investors who've, who've become aware of this, only have seen it going up, and uh, it just clearly this is fueled by speculation. So at some point when people think the price is going to start dropping, they may try and lock in their gains, and that could create a cascade of selling. So we, we could see it you know, go down very quickly as well. Um, it, it's hard to say. Um, stability is, is really valuable for certain things, but not for other things. There, you know, that, that's why we have all different kinds of financial assets, and we have various kinds of hedging mechanisms and, and all the things that, that institutional investors do. Um, there's a lot of work going on to create what are called stable coins, which are cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin that are specifically designed to not be very volatile. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, if you actually want to use the currency for payments, you don't want the price to go up and down a lot. You, you don't, if you get X amount of cryptocurrency, you don't want the next day it to be worth double or half as much. Right. So it, it remains to be seen how much of a function Bitcoin itself will serve. Bitcoin could be uh, you know, a kind of reserve currency asset. It could be something volatile with other things that aren't volatile. Or, or as Christian suggested, it, it could eventually be tamed by these traditional financial mechanisms which, which exist to, to bring more liquidity to market. And, and if it is quote-unquote tamed, uh, where do you think that it, that it goes from there? I mean, I mean, would we see greater adoption on more traditional patterns, Kevin, than, than maybe we probably expect? Well, it depends who you're asking what to expect. Right. We, we could see a lot, a lot of things. The, the reality is that the future path is very uncertain. And uh, what's happened with Bitcoin this year is just one part of already a, a nine-year story for Bitcoin, but, but there's lots of other parts to the market. So if you step back and, and don't ask the question, well, is Bitcoin a good investment for me right now? And I don't know the answer to that. I'm a professor. If I were a you know, professional investor, that's what I would be doing. Um, Long term, is this basic technology of cryptocurrencies something real that's going to be a core part of the financial system? Absolutely. Um, but in terms of how should you decide where to put your money in the near term based on that prediction, that, that's an entirely different question. Christian? You know, it's important to remember that many of these assets right now are not, you know, in what economists call equilibrium. So what you're witnessing is the emergence of these new networks. And, and if you think of these digital tokens almost like securities, like equity in, in a new startup, then it becomes really salient that a lot of the volatility is really society trying to figure out what is the value of this network once we reach that equilibrium, once we reach scale. And, and so I think you'll see a lot of volatility on the path towards equilibrium. Uh, but if one of these networks becomes widely adopted, then the economics also change. Right now, when you think about what's driving a lot of the investment in infrastructure around Bitcoin, it's been miners uh, investing huge amounts of capital um, because they knew that earning a Bitcoin today could be worth a lot more once the network is at scale. But in equilibrium, you know, for the network to function, the fees that people are paying when they're transacting on it will have to match the effort in securing it. And so 
I think it's really important to remember that what you're seeing right now is not that stage where the network is kind of running. You're seeing kind of this precursor to that phase. And so that's where a lot of the volatility comes from. But Kevin, also, Bitcoin is, has drawn uh, criticism on kind of its history as well, because it has been used by uh, rather unsavory elements to be able to, uh, to move currency uh, for a variety of different illegal activities. So, I, I mean, obviously, that's an area that, uh, that, that has to continue to be, uh, be patrolled as well. No question. And regulators in the U.S. and around the world are, are working on that. Uh, so the, the core Bitcoin network is decentralized. So there, there's no uh, way that the network itself knows the difference between a money laundering transaction or a terrorist financing transaction and a legitimate transaction. But there are um, gateways at the edges. Uh, and in order to use the Bitcoin network, you typically need to go through an exchange, for example, and set up a wallet account. And what's starting to happen around the world is that regulators and law enforcement agencies are going to the operators of those edge networks and saying, look, this is money, and uh, we're not just going to allow money to move around in ways that uh, circumvent capital controls and money laundering requirements and so forth. Uh, that's an ongoing process. Um, but uh, you know, so far, what we've seen is that uh, the, the companies that, that, again, want to get to scale and become successful businesses are not interested in doing this in a way to promote purely illegal activity. And the, the regulators and the law enforcement authorities also have been pretty effective at uh, being able to track what's going on across the network. You can do various analytics to look at transactions. So, so most of the, the large examples of people doing illegal activity have, have actually they've been caught and, and prosecuted. But, yeah, that's, that's always going to be an ongoing challenge. Uh, and I think the, the, the pressure to uh, realize the economic potential here, what, what Christian was talking about, I think yeah. is going to – push for a lot of the community using these cryptocurrencies to also be supportive of uh, you know, appropriate rules that, that avoid those kinds of problems. So, uh, Christian, I mean, the, the numbers are, are, are just amazing. Even when you look at the last few days, uh, you know, we saw a 20 percent decline uh, on the value of Bitcoin uh, several days ago. But as I mentioned at the top, it's now uh, up over 11,000 and it's been about a 30 percent uh, increase. What do you tell people when we're seeing these these rather large swings in such a short period of time, uh, what that truly means for the value of Bitcoin? I think it's, it's again, important to remind people that um, you should not invest anything in Bitcoin that you're not willing to lose right away. Um, it's, it's a very speculative asset. And so it's important to remember that those swings are just a reflection of, you know, the uncertainty that surrounds the technology. I think it's ironic that while there's been this, you know, race on, on Bitcoin, uh, there's been major governance issues within the Bitcoin community in, in really deciding the path forward for the network. So there's different right. factions that have different opinions between should this be, you know, a very efficient medium of exchange that replaces Visa and MasterCard or should be much more like digital gold, where it's very decentralized, very secure, uh, but maybe you won't be able to buy coffee with it uh, because the transaction fees will be too high. 
And, and so I think one of the biggest challenges in this entire ecosystem is going to be both the governance of these new networks uh, that are decentralized, but also, of course, you know, often have real people behind them developing the code, maintaining it, or running a node. Um, and also how this will integrate with regulation, as Kevin was saying. Um, you know, it's, it's ironic that often people think about Bitcoin when they think about illegal transactions, but Bitcoin leaves a perfect audit trail. Uh, for a prosecutor to to go to, um, there's new cryptocurrencies that are fully anonymous, not like Bitcoin, which is pseudonymous. And so I think uh, the issue of regulation will become an increasingly important one as we go forward. But, but I, 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 let me ask you this, because seemingly when you look at for people that follow the the traditional markets, uh, the Dow, the Nasdaq, and and the S and P 500 or, or other markets around the globe, but specifically here in the U.S., obviously those markets have seen an un- unbelievable rise over the last a few months as well, maybe not at the staggering levels of Bitcoin. So I I almost wonder if there's an association by investors thinking, okay, well, we're basically kind of riding the same type of wave, even though there is still a level uh, of uncertainty about uh, the stock markets. There may be even a greater uncertainty about Bitcoin right now than than the rise we're seeing on, uh, on the New York Stock Exchange. Well, if we're talking about investor psychology, that, that's something that is um, you know, fairly well understood. And uh, speculative bubbles have emerged ever since we've had financial markets. And so uh, I think one can come up with, with reasons to explain what's going on. And, and clearly, there's a period of enthusiasm. Clearly, as, as Christian said, there's a desire to avoid missing out on this bull run in these right. cryptocurrencies. There are a lot of people around the world who don't have access to um, high-yielding financial products, especially when, when interest rates are so low. And, and Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, because they're global uh, in a way, um, allow a lot of people to get access. There's, there's people who have made money on these cryptocurrencies before who feel like they're playing with house money and are putting it into investing more and investing on, on margin on things. So, so there's a lot of kind of the conventional factors that cause investor psychology at play here. Um, but I, I would, you know, as Christian said, there's also just a, you know, a fundamental uncertainty about where this is going because we have no track record. And, and there's a lot of questions about how liquid this market is mm-hmm. and, and what's really going to happen. It, it's all so new that uh, you know, we shouldn't make judgments just based on what's happened over a few months. But Christian, what about the, the, the security element of of the use of Bitcoin and how secure th- these transactions are uh, on, on an average basis right now? I think what's important to remember, even going back to, you know, when, when in history there were major acts uh, related to Bitcoin, is that often these happen at the, at the edges. So those exchanges that Kevin was mentioning are kind of gatekeepers for going in and out of fiat um, when you're using a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin can also become a vulnerable point. Um, the Bitcoin network has been very secure over the last few years, and all the attacks we have seen are on these edges. Uh, people uh, you know, have a hard time uh, understanding cryptography and security. So, for example, when we did the MIT Bitcoin experiment, this was way back in 2014, um, and distributed Bitcoin to a number of MIT undergrads, a vast majority of them had problems using the private keys and securing them properly. So uh, as we move in a world where, you know, these digital assets can be moved with something that you can think of akin to a passcode, um, and, and, you know, we know how, how bad people are with passwords to begin with, right. uh, I think you'll see more of that kind of security uh, where people that are not careful with, 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 you know, their secrets and their passwords will, will lose digital assets too. Kevin? 
I, I think that's right. It, it's important to distinguish different aspects of security. Um, the, the other thing, again, is to keep in mind that, that Bitcoin is just part of a, a much larger phenomenon. And while the, the core technology of Bitcoin, this proof-of-work system, uh, seems to be secure, it's basically been this huge target for nine years that, that no one's been able to undermine. As Christian said, even there, there's all kinds of problems and potential thefts at the end. There's been literally billions and billions of dollars of, of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies that have been stolen through these other mechanisms. Um, there's a big question about whether other variants of this core blockchain technology that Bitcoin uses will be similarly secure. Um, and given just the incredible expense and overhead of the system Bitcoin uses, as Christian said, people need to just waste massive amounts of computation uh, to be able to, to mine the currency. Um, there's a big open question about whether the network is going to be able to scale uh, and evolve in a way that's still secure. So, I mean, all these are, are big uncertainties, which just comes back to the same point that uh, even though one can construct a, a viable argument why the price at 11000 makes sense and it might go up more, everyone should be very careful in, in not assuming that, that it's going to continue going up for any length of time. Great having you both with us. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Christian. All the best to you today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you both. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.